Welcome to the Meditation Conversation. You are listening to Karan Alessandra. Welcome to the Meditation Conversation, everyone. This is Alessandra and Kara. Today we have Gita Matluk here. This is part two of uh, connecting with her. Right. So last time um, we talked a lot about spiritual community and we got a lot of her background. And in this section, we talk about... Um, we, we go more into parenting, and she gives some practical advice about trying to juggle the many aspects of life when you have young children. So please enjoy part two with Gita Matlock. A very blessed, easy life. And I recognized that in my 20s, I had taken discipleship to um, Paramahansa Yogananda. I um, was moving towards... Uh, receiving Kriya initiation. And part of that practice, which is a meditation practice, is a commitment to practice daily. And I knew I was going to have a hard time with that because I didn't, I just didn't feel that motivator. And I, when I articulated that to my parents at one point in my twenties, they just shook their heads and they were like, don't say it yeah. because the divine mother's going to give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> and she did. So, um, the movement into like a fully committed daily practice really happened when I hit my first life bump, which was, I was going through a divorce. I had married my college sweetheart and, it was not going well, not going well for a number of years. And finally, in the sort of unwinding of that marriage, I was unhappy enough <laughs> that I realized I needed something more. <laughs> I, and I, got, I became much more committed into my daily practice and started to experience those benefits. Now, you know, I think... If you live a charmed life, it's actually one of the pitfalls. <laughs> mm. um, but it, no life goes without struggle at some point. Certainly. And mm. Nobody so gets that out was, unscathed. <laughs> no. <laughs> nobody gets out alive. Well, that's so, true, too. <laughs> so, you know, if, if, I, don't, I wouldn't imagine that is as much a challenge for everybody, but in the, this particular life, in this particular instance, that was my motivator was okay. That's when finally you really getting kind of struggle. Di- dove, dived or dove in. Um, I always thought it was dove, but um, I think it might be dived. I don't know. Anyway, one of those, you jumped in. Let's go with that. <laughs> um, really more in your, in adulthood. When it really, mm-hmm. when you really got um, motivated to let meditation be more of a central part of your life, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. the discipline had to come from a a deep internal need for it, mm-hmm. a recognition of that need, and right. that didn't come until struggle really arrived. Yeah. Okay. Um, and were your parents 
Um, I'm just interested if, if they were patient with all of this, because I would think one of the things with me, if, if I were bringing my kids into a spiritual community, a big part of me would be like, okay, there's no escaping it guys. (laughs) (laughs) It's all around you and you're going to love it. And it's so good for you and you're going to do it. (laughs) And, um, so I don't know how I would feel if, if they didn't, you know, although like mm-hmm. it is just as such a natural part, that rebellion part, but were they continuing to support you even though you, it took a long time to come around? They were great. They did it just the right way. They never pressured any of it. They did it by example. I, I shared recently I read the autobiography of a yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda for the first time myself when I was 14 years old. And I finished it, or I got to the chapter. There's a chapter on Kriya Yoga, which is the practice Yogananda brought. And I read that chapter, and I ran into the living room and said, why didn't you guys tell me about Kriya? I'm 14. I've been in Ananda village my entire life, surrounded by Kriya yogis. And they looked at me and they said, You never asked. (laughs) (laughs) So it was, you know, they were really wise in letting it happen for myself. I have a very strong rebellious streak. And had I felt pressure, Mm. it would have caused me, I'm sure, to run for the hills for longer. Yeah. Um, yeah. So okay. it, they were very supportive. They worried when I was going through a crazy phase and doing mm-hmm. things that were not good for my body. But the, any, any parent would be worried about that. Yeah. <laughs> but you so. know what I find interesting? I mean, now Iris, uh, my little daughter, she's only two, uh, almost three years now. And I don't really teach much because she's so small and it's very secular around here. So I'm careful with what I tell her, but you know, she sees that I go and meditate and so on. And it's so interesting to see how many things that she actually take on. Like only today she was with her doll and like, Oh, my doll is meditating. I was like, (laughs) and there are small things, you know, it's, it's so subtle, but you know, she takes it on and probably because I don't force her, I always welcome her in. I don't remember. Could have been you blogging about it. I was, it was someone to mm-hmm. Ananda about, you know, this allowing them to come in, you know, keep the door mm-hmm. open, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm going to go and meditate. So please be quiet and, but please come and sit on my lap if you want to. So they feel like they're included in the practice, but they're not forced either. And mm-hmm. yeah, hopefully with time, maybe they will learn some tools and see, well, maybe this is good, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's, that's the way. I mean, that's my experience for myself and also for my kids who are just a little bit ahead in years from yours. This morning we were playing upstairs. We were playing doctor, my three and five-year-old and me. And my son said, there's a rainbow in my spine. Oh. <laughs> and I said, yes, there is. <laughs> it's your chakras. And then he sat and my daughter too, they both just on their own sat, closed their eyes and started to meditate and then finished uh. and said, I saw the rainbow. <laughs> I went, really? 
that is cool. <laughs> That's beautiful. You know, whether they're seeing or not just knowing, you know, they're, yeah. they're getting, they're getting a lot. The exposure. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what I also find beautiful about Ananda Village and those communities is that I, like you said, they're friends that to you that grew up there, but then they feel like, well, this is not for me. And, you know, it's not a cult where, you know, you grew up here and then you stay here. You know, it's here. Mm -hmm. These tools are for you if you want to use them. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's I laugh sometimes because you know, self-realization, the practice of yoga is so, um, it requires so much of your own desire to do it. Mm-hmm. It's not really something you dip into and dip out of if you want to practice daily. You know, it just, it takes a lot of personal commitment. And so it's more like you have to really want it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's there available to you, but it's, I, you know, some, there's some, I, my fam, my mom's side is Jewish and in the Jewish tradition, you know, you have to knock three times before invite being invited in is sort of the attitude, um, and the oh. tradition of, of converting to Judaism. It is not a practice that's commonly done and it's not like that so much, but it's more like that than the opposite of of more of an evangelical tradition of, you know, let's get everybody to do this energy. It's more like, well, if you really want it, you can put it in the effort and you can do this, but it has to be you. It has to be from you because nobody can make you want to meditate. Nobody can make you want enlightenment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so so it's harder. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, Yeah. And I can see this, and I think maybe you can see it with your clients as well when you teach meditation. You know, usually they're like, oh, probably they're going through something, and they're, or maybe they're just curious. And you can see them, they're starting to get going with the meditation, but there, there is this, uh, I, I think they were expecting something more. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard, you know, because, yeah, it's, you need to have that desire to that carrot that drives you forward to actually, I mean, it's a lot of time mm-hmm. to dedicate yeah. to just go and sit still. And that might seem like a waste of time if you don't really feel what you're getting out of it. Right. Yes, absolutely. And that's where, you know, spiritual community or developing friendships with people who are also committed to meditation practice, I think becomes pretty essential if what you want is a daily practice if what you want is um is not that and it's more you know you know it's beneficial and you want to do it when you feel to that's okay that's you're still going to benefit I think from the practice of meditation and having those tools but what happens of course in a daily practice is that it starts to affect every aspect of your life because it gives you that, that ability to be the observer and to be more calm in circumstances. And it physiologically rewires your brain toward executive function. Like Mm -hmm. there's all this, you know, interesting research, but you're not going to do it for that reason. You're going to do it because you need it. And you, you feel something afterwards that you can't find anywhere else. Mm -hmm. I remember one person, uh, um, having a conversation with an Ananda friend here when I was a 
I was probably like 12 or 13. So I was starting to be, go into rebellion. And this impacted me. He said, meditation are, is my drug. Mm. And I went, huh? He said, oh, you have no idea how high you can get. <laughs> <laughs> and I, that actually was helpful to hear. Because yeah. at that time I was trying, you know, pot and marijuana and things. And I was having those experiences of what it's like to have an altered state of consciousness. A lower altered state, but altered nonetheless. And I thought, oh, well, maybe there's something in that for me maybe later. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I can mature into that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I recall too, you know, in, in my twenties, that being something important that helped continue, like keep me practicing at least some of the time was that I would sit down and sort of like at the end of a yoga class that was really good, you come out with that glow Mm. I would find that in my meditation practice when I was doing it out of like just because I wanted to yeah. or I was in an environment like I was on top of a beautiful hill looking at a sunset or out at the ocean or in a cathedral in Venice or something. When you're in an environment that makes it really easy to go deep in your meditation, then you can walk away often with that spiritual high. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then, and I found that really soul, helpful. Yeah. That's like the Yogananda saying, you know, the, the ego doesn't want to meditate, but the soul loves meditation, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when you do connect mm -hmm. with the soul and you let your meditation get deeper, which happens through experience and it happens through practice. Um, but you, when you keep connecting to your soul, you want it more, but, but you have mm -hmm. to get to that point. So to Alessandra's point or to, you know, to the greater point, mm -hmm. it is that intrinsic, um, need, but you kind of do need to build up the experience. It might not happen the first time you do it or the first month you're doing it or, but the more you do it, the more you want to do it. So it's mm -hmm. good to keep, to hang in there <laughs> if, yeah. you're, if you're going to a takes, spell. Yeah, usually it takes a bit of longer time than a few months, um, I would say, to build mm -hmm. up that desire. I mean, for mm -hmm. myself, I it started, you know, as a form of painkiller, you know, for a life crisis. Yeah. But then somewhere along the path, it shifted, as you said, and it became a drug. I can so much relate to it. And <laughs> as you mm. said, Cara, the more we dedicate our lives to it and sometimes we have to push ourselves you know going to a retreat is perfect because in those longer meditations you're pushing yourself with the energy and so you can get a sense of wow and then when you come home and meditate for, if it's 30 minutes what you usually do that's so easy and you can go so much deeper and so I guess it's just like going to the gym, starting to run. You have to push yourself a little bit in the beginning, but if you stick with it, you're going to reap the benefits of it and you're going to feel something. You're going to feel fantastic doing it. Right. Right. That's a wonderful point. It's so, so expansive. The more you get into it, you know, the more you put in, the more you get out. Um, so putting the time in, 
when you've got a three-year-old and a five-year-old and, you know, you're working full-time and you're part of the spiritual community, I know you mentioned Ananda's 50th anniversary, and I know you were a big engine for their campaign for working on a big temple, beautiful temple that they've built there. Um, How are you managing to keep meditation a central point in your life, managing all this. Do you have any practical tips? Many. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Please share. Many. <laughs> because, I mean, the number one is to be creative with your practice when it comes to having children. If you're fortunate enough to begin a daily practice before you have children, that's an advantage. <laughs> Sort of like if you're in very good exercise shape before you give birth, it's an advantage. Um, But it it doesn't mean you can't start it right in the middle of life with young children. Um, You just have to be extra creative and gentle with yourself. But I I had, um, I really needed to break down the attachment to my meditation practice looking a certain way Mm. and happening a certain way because it really doesn't help you to be angry that your meditation didn't turn out the way you wanted. (laughs) That has a backfire effect in every possible way on why you got to meditate, right? Yeah. So uh, the first was to find ways to make my practice integrate into my life more instead of because always you don't always have the time to yourself Mm -hmm. to step away to meditate so how do you do some of what your practice is around your children so we started I started chanting as our bedtime songs our Mm -hmm. lullabies are all chants and our children have grown up on, you know, Door of My Heart and um, Om Namo Narayana is my son's favorite. My daughter goes through phases of favorites, so she'll request chants. Mm-hmm. But, you know, instead of Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, mm-hmm. they get a chant from Yogananda. And singing is a part of my meditation practice. So thereby, I'm able to put it in. And then... One thing that uh, both my husband and I do often is very often with little children, the bedtime process can be very long and frustrating. And you just want that kid to go to sleep so that you can go do the chores and do the things (laughs) that you need to get done. (laughs) But one thing that's helped a lot in every way, including my meditation practice, is bringing my meditation mala, my, my beads, and my meditation cushion into the bedroom with my children. And when they reach that point of near sleep, and they're trying, and but they're going to cry if I leave, I'll sit on my, I'll tell them, I'm going to meditate now. And they know what this means. That means mom's not going to chant anymore. She's going to be quiet, but she's going to be here. Mm-hmm. And I'll just do my meditation practice as they fall asleep then I'm not frustrated with however long it's taking. I get my meditation in Mm -hmm. and then my children are asleep. They're happy. Mom was present. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And then I come out and I can clean, do the dishes and sweep the floor and get things ready so that I can go to bed. That but is I've already so meditated. Efficient. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's stuff like that, that, you know, being, finding those moments where it does actually fit somehow. Mm-hmm. When I was breastfeeding, my mother, who, you know, we've has, does the same practices, said, practice Kriya Yoga while you nurse. Mm. And I thought, how do I do that? But when you're nursing at four o'clock in the morning, really, is there anything more uplifting? <laughs> well, can you imagine the vibrations that your children were getting from that experience being in your energetic field while you're doing this highest meditation practice? That's really beautiful. And super practical. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> to just yeah. fit it in. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, Kriya yoga practice became actually a bit difficult when I was pregnant. Mm. I found I had a lot of restless energy and I think it was just having a second human inside me. Right. You know, that's a very odd experience. (laughs) So I found I would try to do my practice imagining, um, I was doing it together with the baby, like up the baby's spine, up my spine. Oh, wow. And, and that was really uplifting. And then I also found that I practiced more Hong Sa, which is the mantra meditation. I'm not sure if you've introduced that to your listeners, but it's, it's really available to everyone. And it's a, it's a mantra based breath meditation. And that was an easier practice for me during pregnancy. Okay. So it was like already during pregnancy, Divine Mother was teaching me that things were going to change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and getting you to adapt early. Yeah. 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 I'm going to say that when you said, you talked about creativity, but I think it's also so much about, you know, acceptance of like, okay, yeah, I was going to have this beautiful morning meditation. I got 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I think too on some of the um, some of it is just um, there is huge value in a sitting inward meditation, and maybe it's not even appropriate to call it's it, you wouldn't call other practices meditation, but there are still heart expanding, heart opening, moving things that can be done, and sometimes that's what life calls for because you just you know, you, it's out of your control to, to not mm-hmm. be able to sit down. But I've, I think I might've used this example, um, in, in our podcast before, but there, um, there have been times where I'm trying to do my energization exercises, which are, are um, exercises that Yogananda gave to, um, help still or try to harness the restless energy and get people more in touch with their energy so they can perceive it, the subtle energy that's running through the body better. And there have been many mornings where I wake up before the family so that I can have time to do those. And my little cat will come in (laughs) and she's just meowing away at my feet and she really wants to be picked up. And And so I try to use that even as a heart opening experience where I pick her up and I'm trying to physically kind of open my heart energy. You know, she's right there by my heart chakra and I'm trying to kind of fold her in and help, you know, like 
almost like a, a little exercise. Let's see if I, how much I can envelop her in this, you know, feeling. And, and so, you know, you talk about the creativity and sometimes it's just, that's life. And, and what do you want to yeah. do to your point about like, well, do I kick the cat out of the, the room? <laughs> like, get out of here. We've got time later, you know, <laughs> or yeah. do you say, you know, hello and see the divinity that is expressed in her and let that be a time of connection too. Yeah. So kind of more surrendering to whatever flow comes. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful way to say it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, accepting it all as from Divine Mother and not right. fighting it because it's not giving you what you think you must have in yes. this particular way. Right. But all that said, to your point, Kara, it is, I mean, having time to sit mm. and do your practice. Oh, here they are. Oh, yay. is <laughs> <laughs> important. And so you yeah. really do need mm-hmm. to find those moments or or it will go away the yeah. discipline that you developed will dissipate so right it's a very good point yeah thank you so much for your time it's really been a joy and i think that this will be really valuable yeah, thank you so listeners. much it was so thank interesting for- to hear about your experiences yes. thank you for having me it's a joy to get to share and and connect with new friends yes yeah. absolutely <laughs> Good. So, well, yeah. many blessings to you, Gita. Have a beautiful day. You too. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, thank you for joining us today on the meditation conversation. And Alessandra and I would love to see this um, podcast growing. We we are wanting to put this out for for people who are looking for more knowledge. I know when we both started meditating, we would love to just, we were thirsty for getting different perspectives and learning as much as we can. And in order to help this podcast grow and be easier for other people to find, it helps for, uh, there are things that you can do as a listener to help support us in that way that are completely free and only require a few moments of your time. So if you would be willing to share this episode with somebody who you think um, might enjoy it, that's a beautiful way to do it. You can write a review. You can um, rate this podcast. You can um, subscribe. All of those things um, work to help generate energy and um, help us put that energy out. So we thank you for your help in that way. And, you know, you can also have a friend perhaps that is going through something difficult. And um, as we shared in this episode, that there is so much help to get from the yogic teachings in this time. So maybe there is someone who might be uplifted by tuning into one of the episodes. So please feel free to share. Yes, so thank you very much, and we look forward to the next meditation conversation. Mm